Good morning and welcome to chapel. If you could all turn with me to hymn number 237 in the blue worship book. 237. Good morning, and welcome to our Holy Week Chapel. Holy Week is, of course, one of the most important times in the Christian calendar. And there are many traditions that are practiced around the world as we remember the story of Jesus and his journey from Palm Sunday all the way through death by crucifixion to the miracle and wonder of Easter morning and the resurrection. 
Throughout history, different traditions have emerged as we celebrate the season of Easter. But perhaps one of the longest standing traditions is what is called the Stations of the Cross, or one of its other names, Via Dolorosa, or Way of Sorrows. This tradition has been practiced in the Catholic Church in particular, and is often built into Catholic cathedrals or worship spaces. But perhaps for those of us who come from Protestant or Mennonite or evangelical traditions, we might be less familiar with this practice. So this morning, Sophie Metzger, um, our Assistant Director of the Multicultural Affairs Office, is going to spend a little bit of time introducing us to the tradition of the Stations of the Cross and reflecting upon its significance and meaning, both for the larger body of Christ as well as in her own life. After Sophie speaks, we are going to spend some time reflecting upon images that represent the different stations. We also have a space prepared in the north end of the Fellowship Hall um, that will be open over the next two days and everyone is invited to come and walk and pray through the stations. I will say a little bit more about that at the end of chapel. Given its timing in the school year, I know it can be difficult for us to give much attention um, and energy to thinking about Holy Week and the approach of Easter, when it's hard enough perhaps just to finish the next essay or stay focused on studying for exams. But I hope that this morning um, we can take just a little bit of time to leave our to-do lists and deadlines outside of this space and be fully present to this sacred season as we remember and consider Jesus' journey to the cross. So, at the risk of it being early on Monday morning when it's gray, I invite you to close your eyes and just spend a moment breathing out. Breathe out any stress or anxiety that you are carrying this morning. Breathe out any to-do lists and tasks that are jumping around in your head. And as you continue to breathe out, I invite you to join me in prayer. Suffering God, as we enter into this sacred week, we pray that you might help us to see. Help us to see the depth of your love for us and for this world. Open our hearts to the power of your suffering and redeeming love. As we worship together this morning, be present in this place. Guide us in your way. Hold us in your love. Amen. Turn in your purple Sing the Story to number 85. As we are singing the words this morning, I, I want to challenge you all to really think about the words that we're singing and what they mean for you.
Scripture this morning is from Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Um, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away one more time and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Good morning. As Tamara said, my name is Sophie Metzger, and I am the Assistant Director of Multicultural Affairs here at Goshen College. And hearing this story, the scripture that we heard today of Jesus praying in the garden, transports me back to my trip to the Holy Land. My, my imagination and all my senses recall what it was like to walk down to the foot of, Olive, to the, foot of the Mount of Olives, to look across that mount, to look across the Kidron Valley, to see the walls of the city of Jerusalem. I can smell the dirt and remember that cool air at dusk when I visited the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And I could imagine Jesus leaving me behind and going off to pray by himself, me to watch and wait for an hour and Jesus off to pray, not my will be done, but yours. I can imagine Jesus looking up and seeing his betrayer off in the distance, coming towards them and getting ready to take him, to arrest him and take him to his condemnation and untimely death. Visiting the Holy Land as a faithful pilgrim and student of theology changed the way I experience Holy Week forever. Before my trip, I used to imagine that the Garden of Gethsemane was kind of like that city park around the corner uh, where I take some walks. It was peaceful but, and tranquil, but it wasn't the same. And I kind of hear scripture like I would read like the Lord of the Rings and I, you know, I had my own image of what Middle Earth was like until Peter Jackson made these movies and now I have his image of what Middle Earth was like. Um, not trying to say that the Holy Land is a fictitious or fantastical place, but it certainly didn't seem real, tangible, or accessible to me. As I said before, my trip to the, my trip to the Holy Land was as a student of theology and a faithful pilgrim. As a student, I wanted to see the places I had studied um, for six years, and I wanted to have it feel real. Um, but as a pilgrim, I wanted to be transformed, 
to feel that devotion of faith grow in me even more. Um, and I really feel like it's an opportunity here to discuss what does it mean to be a pilgrim? You know, I wasn't arriving at Plymouth Rock or celebrating Thanksgiving. I was going on a journey, just like the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock. I was going on a journey um, to a holy place, a place that held significance and a significance that I didn't know exactly what it was or what I would find. I just knew that it was a place I longed to be. Pilgrimage is an ancient tradition, an ancient practice of visiting holy places, um, places where pilgrims who visit believe that they'll encounter the divine or receive some special grace upon arrival there. Um, by visiting a place where great things happened in the past, the pilgrim is more connected to their present reality. Pilgrimage happens, pilgrimages happen to many sites around the world in many religious traditions. Christians have been publicly making pilgrimages to Jerusalem since Christianity became legal in the fourth century. I'm sure a few were made before that, but with a different kind of danger. Even then, it was only possible for a small number of people to go and visit the places connected to Jesus' life and ministry. Places of pilgrimage in the Holy Land include the birthplace of Jesus in Bethlehem, the childhood home of Jesus in Nazareth, and the River Jordan where Jesus was baptized, and even the way of the cross, the Via Dolorosa, the path, Jesus walked from his condemnation to his death and burial. In the Middle Ages, a group of religious men known then and today as the Franciscans, recognizing the powerful nature of pilgrimages and the limited possibility for most Christians to make the trip to the Holy Land, found ways to bring the Holy Land to the people. The Franciscans are not only attributed for creating what we call the Stations of the Cross, but they're also attributed with creating the first nativity scenes or creches because they brought Bethlehem to the people and they also brought Jerusalem to the people in Holy Week, the walking, the Stations of the Cross. They created a set of meditations um, or reflections that outline point by point uh, the stations, the places that Jesus stopped along his way. Uh, traditionally, there are 14 stations that have been named on um, Jesus' journey. They are Jesus being condemned to death, Jesus taking up his cross, Jesus falling three times, Jesus meeting his mother, Simon of Cyrene helping Jesus carry his cross, meeting weeping women in Jerusalem, Veronica wiping the face of Jesus, Jesus being stripped of his garments, nailed to the cross, dying on the cross, taken down from the cross, and being laid in his tomb. Now, you might be wondering um, about where do some of these come from, because Veronica is not in the Bible, and a few of these other things are extra-biblical traditions. But uh, in 1991, Pope John Paul II uh, wrote and released a scriptural way of the cross that adapts these stations to more closely adhere to scripture. And we'll be using those scriptural stations for our practice this week here at Goshen College. The stations of the cross um, are a devotion. 
they're not a requirement, they're not an expectation, but they're an opportunity that faithful Christians, especially Catholics, take to pray specifically during the Lenten season. They can be prayed throughout the year and they're present, um, as Tamara said, in many cathedrals, many, most churches and sacred spaces. Um, and they can be prayed you know, in, in common, which is the most frequent during Lent and Holy Week, um, but they can also be prayed kind of as a personal meditation. Um, my experience of praying the stations have been pretty varied. During high school, uh, we established a tradition in our youth group of doing the living stations. We thought if the elementary school kids could reenact the birth of Jesus with costumes and being shepherds and Joseph and Mary, that we could also benefit from sharing the passion with the rest of the parish during other times of the year, uh, especially during Easter. So on Good Friday, just before our Holy Week service, we would dress up, carry a cross, and narrate and act out the stations in a powerful way. Acting out or even just walking along these points um, of Jesus' journey in his final hours allows those of us who pray the stations to enter into the story of the Passion, not just through the proclamation of scripture, but through meditation of walking along the way and entering into the passion with our whole body. It's as if we are there. It's as if we are in Jerusalem and can imagine ourselves. One of the most powerful things I love about the stations is that you can be anyone. You can enter in as the crowd crying for Jesus' death. You can enter in as a weeping woman or even try to imagine what it would be like to be Jesus himself and be called to act out of such a profound love. The experience of meditating on each station can focus on the particular journey Jesus took in his life, but, but it has become increasingly common to find groups that write meditations on each station that connect the suffering, Christ of, the suffering of Christ and Jesus in his time to the suffering of Christ in our world today. A few years ago, I, was, I had the opportunity to spend Holy Week in New York City. And there I joined over 100 people from a variety of Christian and non-Christian traditions in a prayer of the Stations of the Cross through the city, stopping at places like the United Nations, storefronts on Fifth Avenue, going to the train station, Penn Station. Throughout this experience, the stations remained the same. We talked about Jesus falling, about Jesus being stripped and humiliated. But we also reflected on societal concerns, such as war, greed, and poverty. And at the final station, a small number of people attempted to commit an act of civil disobedience by blocking the entrance to the Army Recruitment Center that's located in the center of Times Square. But since it was Good Friday, the recruitment center was closed, so the protesters just left a note of protest, stood and prayed for a little while, and then went home. But um, other contemporary reflections of the stations aren't just about urban and city life and the injustices that are surrounded by that. There are stations of the cross that reflect a migrant experience, reflecting the work of 
migrant farm workers and others. Um, a Stations of the Cross that reflect um, ecology concerns and Earth Day Stations of the Cross, since Holy Week and Earth Day sometimes nearly coincide. There are stations of justice that generally reflect on what it means to be, to live out of and act out of justice. And there are Stations of the Cross, um, in addition to the Stations of the Cross that John Paul II wrote on, based in scripture, he also wrote, um, or he, was, he inspired the writing of the Stations of the Cross on the path of ecological conservation. So there are many different ways to enter into this prayer and experience it from an issue as, a, as an individual or as one of the people who was there in that day. But now, um, before I close, I want us to take a minute to head back to the garden to remember the scriptures that we heard just a moment ago and remember where they lead off because the first station begins where the, where the garden ends. And so we remember, Father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink from it, not my, but your will be done. He then returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand.
We are now going to project, as has begun, various scenes of the Stations of the Cross as depicted by Sister Mary Charles McGow. Um, as we prepare to spend some time considering uh, Jesus' journey to the cross, I invite you to join me in prayer. Loving Jesus, along your way of the cross, you met hardened soldiers, condemning priests and compassionate women and men. As we reflect upon that same way of the cross, let us search our innermost hearts, for they are capable of hardness or compassion, fickleness or faithfulness. Jesus, may we confront the dark side of our hearts and through your grace, decide to remain your faithful and compassionate followers. Amen.
as I mentioned earlier, um, we have set up Stations of the Cross using these images in the north end of the fellowship hall. Um, you are all invited to go and walk and pray the stations that we've introduced you to. Um, we also, in that space, have a labyrinth set up in the middle of the room that you can use for prayer as well. So if all that is also new to you, we also have instruction sheets near the entrance of the labyrinth. So after our service comes to an end this morning, you are invited to, if you wish to continue in worship and prayer, to continue um, and explore the stations in that space, or you can come anytime today, tomorrow, or Wednesday, whenever the building is open. So basically 8 a.m. through 11 p.m. Um, and I invite you to consider doing that with some of your free time this week. So as Good Friday approaches, we invite you to walk the pathway of Jesus who took on our brokenness, yet pointed in hope towards God's promise of new life. I invite you to join us in closing song. Were you there? Number 257 in the Blue Hymnal. <laughs> 